Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm joined here by... Tom Dorian. Hey, you're sitting here, by the way, with a big smile on your face. I'm happy. You look happy. Well, you know, Easter is upon us. It is. It's a beautiful time of year, beautiful time it of liturgical really year. Beautiful, yes. We get to say, hallelujah, again. Hallelujah, it's nice. And that's always exciting to do. Christ is risen. That's exactly right. Uh, and I will tell you what, we're going to have an exciting show today, too. As usual. We are going to talk about an important topic. It's most important. It's, it's something you do often. And that's a good try, thing. Yes, I try to. That's right. Confession. We're going to talk about confession today. Are we going to talk about how often we should do it by, by chance? We can talk about that. Okay, good. We can talk about that. But I'll tell you what. What I wanted to do was I wanted to talk a little bit about confession well, from a sort of a practicality or a common sense point of view. Okay. A lot of times when a Catholic is sort of standing there in the parking lot putting the groceries in the car, mm-hmm. and then their Protestant friend walks up to them and says... <laughs> Why do you confess your sins to a priest? You know, I'm lucky. I can just go into my room and confess my sins to Jesus. I can go out way out into the field somewhere where it's quiet. No one can hear me. And I can, you know, shout my sins to the mountaintops or whatever. And only God can hear. And I'm so lucky. And I get them forgiven that way. Yeah, you know, you're teasing a little bit. But you, and, but you can do that. Well, you can't ask Jesus for your forgiveness. Well, of course you can, but that's not what we're talking about. I know. Still, as Catholics, we know we have to confess our sins. Yes. Our grave sins have to be confessed in a certain way to yes, the sir. priest. Yes, sir. That involves the priest, right? Yes, sir. Well, so as the Catholic, we have to know, rather than stand there like the deer in the headlights and say, well, excuse me, i got to go. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, better to say I know. I don't know than to have the wrong answer, I guess. But, uh, that's true. We're going we're gonna to talk about that sort of common sense approach here. A lot of times our separated brothers and sisters like to quote scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one of the scriptures they love to quote is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And they says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And, of course, they say, well, see, right there, that scripture quote says it proves that you should not confess your sins to a priest. Right. That you don't have any mediator. The priest becomes the mediator, right? So then they, they say, well, then we should be confessing straight to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. i got a feeling if you go further, there might be some more to that. Well, I will say it this way. If we talk more about understanding what mediation is, in a basic mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. that word mediate, yes, we agree as Catholics that Christ is the mediator. Mm-hmm. It's how he does that mediation. That's up to him, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't speak to the process of mediation, Okay. Right. That doesn't say that Jesus says we should not confess our sins to a priest. Mm-hmm. What it says is basically that Christ is the one that's going to forgive our sins. Christ has the authority. And elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus talks about only the Son of Man having the authority to forgive sins. Right. And so Big we know word. that we know that Christ is the authority. Right. And so really, if Christ is the mediator between us and God, mm-hmm. sent to redeem us to God forever. That's what that scripture, quote, really means. Mm-hmm. It's talking about that process. It's talking about Jesus suffering, dying on the cross for us, so that we could be reconciled. So in that sense, he becomes the mediator. It doesn't talk about specifically about confession and whether or not we should be sitting in front of some priest somewhere uh, confessing our sins. So, right. But that's a long story about that particular verse. Okay. Really what I'd rather do mm-hmm. is focus now a little bit about what should a Catholic in sort of a commonsensical way be explaining 
to that uh, to that Protestant. Okay. How do we deal with that in a commonsensical way that, that not only will... Because you, that does happen a lot when you're in the parking lot loading groceries. Listen, man, it happens to me more times than I, <laughs> I care to remember. You know, or it's going to be the uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah, or the it Mormons. Do, it that actually does happen, but, but uh, not to me that often. <laughs> well, you don't do any grocery shopping, picking, apparently. I'm just picking at you. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, let's go, we're going to talk about three, three basic little topics here. Okay. The first one I want to talk about is... Uh, from a common sense perspective or mm-hmm. practicality perspective, mm-hmm. we have to understand that when we sin, we don't just do some little internal personal damage that we can then go and make retribution for by sitting in our room quietly and and be uh, uh, you know thoughtful and right. prayerful and ask Jesus for forgiveness. Now, as you pointed out before, we can do that. We can go in our room and we can ask Jesus for forgiveness, and we should do that. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. The problem is that if that's all you do, right, you're healing your relationship with God and maybe with yourself. But if we understand that when we sin, we actually damage four relationships, okay, then that changes everything. And those four relationships? Well, certainly we damage our relationship with God. Right, because we're yep. right. We also damage our relationship with ourselves and our understanding of ourselves because we we sin against the dignity of our human person. Of right, course. we're we're less than who we are supposed to be. And then, of course, we also sin against the other, the the, the person or the uh, the other person who is the object yeah, of the our victim. sinfulness. Right. right, the victim in right. this in this situation. Mm-hmm. Right, so it, we. If you're stealing, you steal from a shop owner, or you know, or if you cheat on your taxes, you're actually you know stealing from the U.S. government. Whatever, mm-hmm. whoever that other is, we're sinning against that person. And then, of course, we sin against the whole church, right? The body, the body of Christ. It says Saint Paul is the one that tells us that when one suffers, we all suffer; when one rejoices, we all rejoice. So, when one person sins, we all feel the pain, right? We all right. suffer. It's kind of like the pebble being dropped in the. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Ripple effect. Exactly right. And so we find out that confession, a Catholic, a good, honest Catholic confession, Mm -hmm. heals all those relationships. Mm -hmm. It heals the relationship with God, right? It heals the relationship with the other because it better prepares us to go and make um, amends with the other. Right. Right? It, it, It makes us... It's so easy to go ask for forgiveness when you feel forgiven, right? When you feel loved, it's so much easier to go and say, "You know what? I got to tell you this, Tom. I did. I, I'm the one that broke into your car in the parking lot and stole your phone." Okay, right? No, really, I'm telling you, I did that. I just felt moved by the spirit right now to let okay, you know. Well, I'm going to send you the bill then. We'll probably do that. A lot of damage, my show. friend. Anyway, so it heals your relationship with the other. Okay. It also heals your relationship with yourself. Right again, you feel forgiven. Exactly. Right, you you are healed. What person does not want to be healed? You know, because big, it makes you a better person. Big weight off your shoulders. Absolutely. And then, of course, it heals your relationship with the church because that priest represents the church to you. And so you go into that church, and he says, "Well, basically, in the name of Jesus, in the name of this church, I forgive you of your sin. Welcome back into the community, the body of Christ." Mm-hmm. Now, those aren't the words of absolution that he uses, but the point is that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's bringing you back, reconciling you, allowing you to be reconciled based on the merit solely of Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross. Mm -hmm. But he's allowing you to be reconciled back to the whole body of Christ. So all four of those relationships are healed in confession, not just by going and doing a private um, prayer to to Jesus, which, of course, is a good thing. It's always good to to pray to Jesus. 
Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about okay. is really focus on this idea that we are we are physical beings. Okay. We're, we're human beings in a, in a physical, real world. We're not mm-hmm. spirit beings. Um, we're not digital ones and zeros. We're, we're flesh and blood, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're bone and marrow. Um, and we have these senses, right? Mm-hmm. The five senses. We have the sense of touch and sight, taste, smell, hearing. We have all of those senses. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is that confession can actually engage all of those senses. In other words, confession actually speaks to our humanity, our physical humanity. And your your eyes are rolling going, now, wait a second. So I'm just thinking, all right, where is he going with this one? This is um... Taste and smell. You're going to say, how do we get to taste and smell? Well, we're going to get there in a second. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's look at how confession is going to help engage all of our senses. Right? Okay. It's going to speak to our, our, our human nature. So it's much more, it's, it's like natural. Good. It's like the natural law. Good. Obviously, in that sense of touch. Mm-hmm. Right when when you uh, when you do something wrong and when you did something wrong, your family and your dad came up and put his arm around you. Mm-hmm. Right when you when you fell and you hurt yourself and your mother hugged you. Mm-hmm. Right when you go into the church. Mm-hmm. Right and you drop to your knees. Mm-hmm. Just the feeling of that kneeler, that that cushion on the kneeler. Mm-hmm. Right now you're in a posture. You're using your physical body. Mm-hmm. In a penitent posture, mm-hmm. right? That sense of touch. Yep. And it's amazing how I can remember that feeling. Right now, I'm kind of feeling it now, thinking, you know, when I go I to confession. I got the picture, man. It's, yeah. it's emotional thinking exactly, about it. It's exactly right. Um, so it, it engages our sense of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's that sight. We use our eyes, and we see sitting across from us, whether it's behind them or maybe it's through uh, uh, some kind of screen or whatever, but we 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 see where we are, mm-hmm. right? We are engaged in sight. We see the person in persona Christi. We see Jesus mm-hmm. sitting in front of us. And in persona Christi, obviously, is Latin for in the person of Christ. Right. We see the priest who is in that person of Christ, representing Christ to us, being Christ for us in a real and personal way. Okay. And so, of course, when also when folks, by the way, talk about confessing your sins directly to Christ, we teach that we do that because Jesus is there in persona Christi in that priest. Okay. Well, then also we have the uh, the taste of the Eucharist that we receive once we've been forgiven, right? We go to the banquet. We go to the feast. We go back to Mass and we receive Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And what better? Your, your senses are alive at that point, and the taste of that Eucharist, the taste of uh, the, the blood of Christ, suddenly just you know courses through you, and it's a good feeling. Huge. That's a good feeling, good feeling. And so then, of course, now the smell. You go into a church and you smell, right, something. You smell the, the incense that yeah. never seems to leave the church. You smell the the, the wood, mm-hmm. right, of the, of the of the going to one of those old churches. You know, yeah. that's kind of a, oh, yeah. a, 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 it's a lovely smell of just wood and, mm-hmm. and candles and incense. And I bet you you can remember smells from your childhood. I can remember things that. Absolutely. Right, that put me in that place. Takes so, you back. Exactly right. When you go to confession, mm-hmm. you go in that little confessional. Even there, there's that sense of closeness and that sort of smell. And again, it's, enga- you're, it's engaging. Mm-hmm. It's all part of that human experience. And I of got course, chills, man. <laughs> the, the the last way in which our our physical bodies, right, and the most beautiful is hearing. Mm-hmm. Right. What better way than to hear the words "I forgive mm. you"? Right. Yeah. God gives us that great gift to be forgiven, not only to be forgiven, but to hear the words of comfort. When you're in your room by yourself, what do you hear? Nothing. Right. You hear nothing. Don't smell anything. Well, you don't hear Jesus. You don't hear Jesus saying right. those words. Now, you may feel Jesus. Jesus is present to you. And that's beautiful. But you don't 
hear yeah, and there's Jesus. Some serious power in that. Absolutely. Yeah. So to hear the words that the, for that sinner to hear those words that that that, that sinner is forgiven. That's you cannot put a price on that. No, you can't. That's beautiful. It now is. we have lots more to talk about. We have one more important one I want to discuss okay. uh, when we get back after our break. Before mm-hmm. I do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, I'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. A good confession is only possible if you start with a good examination of conscience. After all, how can you confess your sins if you don't recognize your own sinfulness? A very traditional examination of conscience is one that is based on the Ten Commandments. At face value, most people would say that they probably haven't broken one of the Ten Commandments, unless you take time to look a little deeper at each one. The First Commandment I am the Lord your God, you shall not have other gods before me. Do I truly love God above all? Or do I sometimes give greater importance to things of this world? Money, image, looks, clothes, popularity, or selfish desires? The second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Do I show disrespect for God's name? Do I hesitate to mention God in conversations with friends and family members? The third commandment. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Do I attend church only when it's convenient or when it will make me feel good? Do I participate by praying and singing, or do I simply sit as a spectator waiting to be entertained? The fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. Do I help bring peace and happiness to my family? Am I loving, respectful, and obedient to my parents? Do I appreciate the many sacrifices they make or have made for me? The fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Have I spiritually killed or injured anyone? Have I injured another person through carelessness or fighting or because of the reckless use of alcohol or other drugs? The sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Do I respect the dignity of the human body and defend the holiness and sanctity of Christian marriage when the topic comes up in conversation? The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Have I stolen, damaged, or vandalized the property of others? Have I cheated at work or in school? The Eighth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do I gossip about others? Can I be trusted with a secret? The Ninth Commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Am I faithful in my marriage, in body, mind, and heart? The Tenth Commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Am I satisfied with what God has given me, or am I jealous of those who seem to have more? Do I truly seek first the kingdom of God in my life and place my trust in Him? The Ten Commandments are not simply rules to be followed. They are lifelines to God. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're all excited here, aren't we, Tom? How can you not be excited? We're talking about confession. 
and, and, and we're and a lot of people like look at confession and go, I'm not very excited about a confession. I don't really want to go to confession. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this this sort of common sense approach really helps us as Catholic to understand that to make sure that what we're doing just makes sense. It does. It does. It makes sense that God makes, makes common would sense. intend to do this this way. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go to Scripture? I want Let's. to read a passage of Scripture here, please, and then talk about that passage of Scripture, which I think is probably the the biggest and mo- most profound mm-hmm. commonsensical um, argument about why we Catholics would go to confession okay. to a priest. And we're going to go to John chapter twenty, verses nineteen through twenty three. Mm-hmm. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And so here we are in the upper room, mm-hmm. right? Our apostles are scaredy cats, right? They're freaking out because their Savior they've been following for three years is now suddenly he's dead, mm-hmm. right? And so here we are. What, what are we going to do? We, and they think, as the, as the Scripture tells us, for fear of the Jews, that they're next. Yeah, they're coming to get them. Right, so they got the doors are locked. Jesus appears before them, and he says, what? Peace Peace be be with with you. you. Right? What a beautiful thing to say, because he knows they need peace at that time, Mm -hmm. specifically. But what I like about that is Jesus comes basically with that. That's his mission. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what he's doing. He's bringing us peace, Mm -hmm. the peace that only Jesus can bring, only God can provide for us. We seek joy, happiness, peace in all these different places in the world, but really the peace that comes from God is the only peace Mm -hmm. That is true and real peace. Mm-hmm. And he offers that. So he makes a promise. He promises us peace. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that you have to get with sacred scripture is anytime Jesus made a promise, right, he also, probably a few words later in scripture, was going to be some kind of plan, yep. right? some kind of opportunity, some kind of way that we're going to take advantage of what our God is giving us. So when Jesus promises peace, now what he does is he. He has a plan for us to receive that peace. Yep. And that's what's happening here when he actually institutes the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing right there in that upper room on that evening. You might be thinking, well, wait a second. Jesus <laughs> doesn't mention the word confession. He doesn't say anything about a priest or little confessional boxes at the back of the church. He doesn't say any of those things. Mm-hmm. So how is this the sacrament of reconciliation? Okay. Well, so we have to listen. We have right. to listen to the rest of that scripture, and we find that he gives his authority to those apostles. Big word. That's right. He gives his authority. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. How do Protestants look at that, by the way? They just just glance over well, it? Well, you know what? If you Google confession of sins to a priest, uh-huh. you're going to find people who deal with this verse from a Protestant perspective, and they will say, yeah, well, sure, he gave those powers to those people, but he didn't talk about apostolic succession. He didn't talk about carrying that on. And nowhere does it say confession. It just says if you forgive sins, they'll be forgiven. And if you retain them, they'll be retained. But see, what I say to you, what I say to that Protestant, or that Mm -hmm. person bringing that argument to me, is why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say that to the apostles if he didn't intend for them to use that? Yeah. 
right? I used the example on one of our shows before about giving your your car keys to your 16-year-old son. Right. right. right? You'd be crazy if you didn't expect him to drive the car. Here, son, here are the car keys, but don't drive this car. <laughs> Right, So why would Jesus give the authority to forgive sins to these apostles if he didn't expect them Great point. To, to use, it. use that authority? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right? You're right. And so then you carry it one step further. Okay, so even if I can get my Protestant brother to accept that fact, mm-hmm. and, and they say, okay, so Jesus gave them authority, and so he expects them to use it. Mm-hmm. So then I say, well, how do you expect them to use it? What's the process? Mm-hmm. Right, so now we have apostles who have the authority to forgive or to retain sins. Correct. Right, they can choose to forgive somebody or choose not to forgive. Make them hold on to those sins and keep them to their to their grave. Mm-hmm. Right, he can do that. He has that authority given to him by the Son of Man. So, how does he do that? Right, he can be a mind reader, or he's going to have to hear it. <laughs> Right? Exactly. He's going to have to know the sins. Exactly. And he has to hear them to know them. Right? He's not a mind reader. He walks into the room and says, oh, by the way, I think you're an adulterer and you, uh, you're you an axe murderer and you stole. <laughs> axe murderer. Right? So that would be the mind reader. And that would be great if they could read minds. Maybe it wouldn't be so great. Right. No. Right? It wouldn't be so great. I wouldn't want to go not to confession. <laughs> yeah, that, although it would make it easier. You wouldn't have to confess as many That's sins. True. Right? That's true. You wouldn't have to actually say them out loud. But I will say this. Human beings aren't mind readers. There are no mind readers. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the apostles weren't mind readers. Jesus knew they weren't mind readers. And so he expected them to know the sins of the people. Mm-hmm. And there's only one way for them to know that. They're, people have to tell them their sins. You've got to confess them. Right? And so that becomes a, a process of, of, of oral, hear, of hearing the sins. Right? Right? They have to, auricular confession, the hearing of them, that's why they have to be in proximity to the person. Mm-hmm. They have to know the person that they're, you know, they have to be in that 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 person's presence, mm-hmm. right? And you can you can do it in various different ways. I mean, over the over the centuries, there have been varying varying forms of confession, right? There's been private confession, there's been public confession, mm-hmm. there's been like, penances where uh, there were uh, horrific penances where people had to, you know, wear sackcloth sack and ashes, right? right. And, and, and sit out front, sit out, well, sit out in front of the out in the courtyard of the right. church and not be allowed in for, for three days. years, or right? Whatever. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank goodness that we've we've got some different ideas about penance now, yeah. right? Then maybe a little easier to understand uh, and to live out. But the point is. Still, the same process was taking place, mm-hmm. right? Someone was confessing their sins to a person who had the authority to forgive or retain those sins. Mm-hmm. And if that person that you confessed to believed that you made a good confession, believed that you were truly penitent, that as a sinner you were sorry for your sins, mm-hmm. if he believes that, mm-hmm. then he's obligated to offer you forgiveness, the forgiveness of the church, which is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Right, that o- the, the forgiveness that only God can give is given through that ministry uh, of the church, mm-hmm. and so He's obligated to do that. And of course, if He senses that you are not being forthright, then He has that opportunity to question you. Right, draw are you out a little bit more. Are you really sorry for this? Because it doesn't sound like you're really sorry for this. Yeah. Right, because he—that's a, a grave responsibility he has. Because this is really your soul he's talking about. Yep. Right. This is not about his soul. This is about your soul. And so you're there, and he wants your soul to be in heaven with his and everyone else's at the end of all time. Right. Yep. And so he wants to make sure that you actually have 
a true sense and spirit of penance. Yep. That you're sorry for your sins. And that's why you will have priests say, you have made a good confession. They'll yep. announce to you. They'll let you know that. You have made a good confession. Deacon Jeff, how often would you recommend someone take advantage of that sacrament? Well, I'll give three answers. All right. The first give answer four, is you? I'll tell you the minimum. <laughs> the catechism tells us the minimum is once a year. Right. Right? And and that's in preparation to receive that the Easter sacrament. Right. You should go to confession that one time a year. Now, it says that, but at the same time, we understand that confession is there for those grave sins. So I guess technically, if you didn't have a grave sin for an entire year, which I don't know anybody like that, <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to find yourself needing to go to confession at least once a year. Mm-hmm. But that's the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. The reality, what works for me is once a month. Okay. That's what I highly recommend. Okay. So that's the second answer. When people ask me, how often should you go? It's just easy to say once a month. Mm-hmm. Go once a month. Now, there are people that go more often than that, mm-hmm. and that's fine. The third answer I would give is go as often as the Spirit moves you to go. Go okay. as often as you need. Now, I don't encourage scrupulosity. I don't encourage the person that's going to sit there and do self-flagellation and beat themselves you know, with a whip. <laughs> Uh, and talk about how uh, miserable they are and go to confession every 15 minutes right. and then talk about every little sin they could have ever possibly mm-hmm. committed, even sins for other people, mm-hmm. right? They'll confess everything. That's mm-hmm. not what this sacrament is all about. Mm-hmm. But if you sin, if you have an, an ongoing problem, let's say with pornography or mm-hmm. or something like this, lust, go to confession. Mm-hmm. And as uh, one good wise priest was telling me, let the Holy Spirit work on you. Don't come back tomorrow with that same sin. Let the Spirit work in you. Mm-hmm. But if you have grave sin, if you fall to temptation, if you commit a grave sin the very next day, if you want to, go to confession again. Mm-hmm. But we are all different people on different journeys and have different needs. Mm-hmm. And so I would say just pray to the Spirit. Talk to – have a good confessor. Have a good regular confessor, someone who knows you yep. because they will help you. Uh, if it's a good priest – he will help you and guide you and tell you that you're going too often or tell you that maybe you ought to go more often. Yep. It's like, well, gee, Deacon Jeff, with these sins you're committing, uh, it seems like with some regularity and you're only coming once a year, maybe you should step it up a bit. Maybe yeah. I should see you in here a little bit more often mm-hmm. because that's going to help you because there's grace that comes in confession. Big time. Right? That grace is going to help us and, and bring us uh, closer to God. Absolutely. And help us to live that uh, that righteous and holy life. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. So I hope we can all now see that common sense approach to confession and hope as Catholics we can better explain why we go to confession uh, with a priest. I think we do. Well, why don't we end in prayer now? Please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, sent to die for us, that we may be reconciled to you for all eternity. Help us to accept your gift of mercy, soften our hearts, and prepare us to make a good confession that you may till the soil of our souls and lead us on the path to righteousness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.